Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond. I am a church planner candidate with Mile One Mission. Right across from me, we have... Uh, Steve Daw, I'm the Director of Education for Mile One Mission. And I'm Matt Leahy, I'm a church planter with uh, Mile One Mission. And I'm David Drover, a ministry intern with Mile One. Mm-hmm. So guys, how was your weekend? We had Halloween. How'd it go? It's good, it's fun. Yeah? Yeah, tons of extortionistic children took chocolate from my house, it was great. <laughs> I actually heard a story <laughs> of a kid that came up and just like said, hello, and the person was like, what do you mean, hello? It's trick-or-treat. Now, they didn't say it to the kid, but they wanted to. But <laughs> <laughs> You guys did something out in Kilbride, though, didn't you? Uh, we did trunk-or-treat, and basically, you know, we just, myself and Adam and Dave took our cars, parked them in the driveway, and uh, I dressed my van up as uh, Cookie Monster because it's blue. Yeah, we just set our, our trunks up uh, and stuffed it full of candy and Instead of kids coming by and just saying trick or treat, we made them say trunk or treat, and they took candy and trick or trunk. What trick or trunk? Trick or treat? What is treat? it? Is it trunk, trunk or treat? <laughs> trunk yes. or treat? I always say it wrong. <laughs> it is trunk or treat. But we it was al- good. We also had free hot chocolate. We did, and you know it was pretty cool. I didn't know this after the fact uh, until after the fact. But Dave came up to me, or was it you? I don't think it was me. It's me. Yeah, and he's like, hey, you know, we had a guy come up to us, and he's like, are you guys? Getting out hot chocolate again this year, and I was just like, "Yeah." Well, no, I didn't say that to him. I said that, you know, in, in my brain <laughs> internally. <laughs> internally, but you were in fact giving out hot chocolate. We were, and but so was, you should have said, "Yeah." Yeah, but I was just, I was excited because you know, someone remembered what we did last year, and mm-hmm. it was just, it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so guys, um, our episode today is uh, we're going to talk about being a 21st century pioneer. And uh, the reason I thought of this title for the episode was uh, starting yesterday, actually. Um, I am supported by the SCA International, which is formerly the Shantyman's Christian Association. Uh, and they also help support uh, Dave and Matt, but this year they took me on. So uh, I figured we could talk about how we are doing pioneer work. And we can get into later if you want about the... Uh, what the shantymen have done in the past for this country. So the definition of a pioneer is a person who is among those who first enter or settle a region, thus opening it for occupation and development by others. So guys, how how exactly does Baldwin admissions fit into that definition? Well, at some level, I think we should first deal with the elephant in the room of how at some level there could be an argument that we don't because... Some people would say that their Newfoundland has been settled for 500 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been... Uh, Physically and spiritually. Well, there have been churches right. off and on for hundreds of years. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a guy you could talk to at the university who's really good at Newfoundland church history. But uh, I would also point out that there have been a couple of uh, generations where churches, honestly, of the evangelical ilk, haven't really been anywhere in Newfoundland. And I mean, the limitations on what we mean by an evangelical are pretty clear. Um, and of course, there's going to be questions doctrinally of what we mean by evangelical. We've You can go back and go through our episodes to figure out what that means mm-hmm. and find that out. Yep. And so when we say that we are 
pioneers here. We're act, we're not saying that we're the only Christian. We're the only people who have ever claimed the name of Christ to be here. But we are the first evangelicals in lots of these places. Absolutely, and not um, only the first evangelicals, but I, I, my memory doesn't you know is eluding me on this. But there has been no other church planting movement in St. John's ever. I mean, hold me accountable, boys, but like... Not, not a movement, no, not a right. ministry like Mao and... There have been church plants out of, you know, unfortunately... Mostly failed yeah. church plants. Right. Well, there have been, I, I mean, if you go back a couple of hundred years, there have been church planting groups that from other places mm. that have sent people in. I mean, uh, the Society for the Propagation of the Gospel is the reason that we have all the Anglican churches we do right now. Um, there, it, they would have even been a lot of the reason for the Uniteds and Methodists in their background. But, of course, that also would deal with another big elephant in the room, and that's namely uh, the question of doctrinal apostasy. I mean, I hate to say it because there's friends of mine who would disagree vehemently with me on this, but I don't think the United Church in any meaningful sense is Christian right now. So by that token, that would mean then that um, I mean, doesn't the United Church have a atheist as a minister? Yes, Greta, Greta Vosper. And they can't actually remove her because, you know, she's within the realm of their doctrinal positioning. Which should be a red flag. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so we've we just put out some, a, uh, some posts on social media last week saying that uh, Kilbride has never had a church, although apparently there was a Roman Catholic church here in 1892, uh, and that's when it burned down. So mm. there but has never been... It didn't, it didn't burn down because of the Great Fire in St. John's. It was actually a, uh, a separate incident in which the church caught fire and burned down. So <laughs> totally unrelated to the Great Fire. Totally unrelated. Same year, just totally unrelated. That was a bad year for fires. So it's probably like 2020 for them. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so we can say there has essentially never been a church here for 120 years and never been an evangelical church. Well, and two, I mean, you have to remember that when we say 120 years, that's like three generations. Which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's, there is, it, that there has, there's nobody who is alive right now who would remember that church. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild to think about. And the only thing that's remaining is a graveyard. That's it. Just a bunch of mm-hmm. dead people. Yeah. And that says a lot for the soil, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So uh, we also put out a, a uh, demographic, rep- well, small blurb about downtown, mm-hmm. saying that you know in 2019 uh, there was a demographic done by the city saying there were 7,000, I think 47 people in downtown in just a one kilometer radius and no evangelical church i mean many attempts at putting a church down there but no church right now and can you toss off the top of your head the um how many bars to well on george on, on george street 47. alone which is 500 meters i think yeah. uh so it's only a short sec- short section of road uh i think it's 44 bars right. on george street and that's not including Duckworth Street or Water Street or anywhere else in the city of where those bars are. Mm. And I think we said it was 72 places of worship in the city. Yep. Which and that's is, all places. That, of that's all places of worship. So, I mean, that's 
that puts in perspective that this is essentially you know a place that is not as settled as we think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, bottom line is that we're bringing the gospel to areas that don't really have it right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind of we may not be the first in history, but we are the ones who are developing, you know, churches and hoping to start churches in these areas that need the gospel. So mm-hmm. we may not be the very first, but we're the first of. I guess our time in in 2020 or whatever you want to call it of or for Matt in first in 120 years. Yeah. And and there may be some communities where we actually are the first. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I mean it kind of depends you, what you're talking about, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean even when you travel south from Kilbride, like there's nothing. You, like you would have to literally travel all around the 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 southern shore um the Irish loop which would bring you down to Trapassey 3 hours away from from Kilbride then up to St. Mary's, and I don't even think there's a, an evangelical, biblically-centered gospel, you know, church in, in that entire region. And so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's yeah. tough ground. And, of course, in a lot of those places, there have been attempts at churches in the past, and uh, even some of the churches that are now, in fact, closing. I was reading about the deconsecration of... Uh, a church I actually attended a funeral in in Placentia a few weeks ago, where they just deconsecrated the church and handed it over to the uh, to the town. There is no replacement for that church. Um, it's just simply no longer a church. Yes, by and I mean where Calvary is looking at building a building uh, in Paradise, you have twenty four thousand people and one church that would be evangelical. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, we, we might have, you know, have one one or two churches in these areas, but still one or two churches for thousands of people is... And I think it's important to recognize, too, there's a, a more than just the fact that there aren't churches. Mm-hmm. There's the cultural baggage that comes with there not being an active evangelical witness. There's a lot of people who would misinterpret what an evangelical is. Especially with media now. Yeah. There would be no trouble to say evangelicals are these, you know, right-wing nuts who, yeah, I mean, we can just go on and on, but it's not hard to find something against evangelicals and how extreme they are, how well, crazy they are. And that's that's obviously not the case. I think we're all, well, we might be somewhat crazy around this table, but uh, I think we're pretty sane. I, I hope so. <laughs> I think I've been tested, but... So, guys, um, we've we've put it out there. I mean, it, it really does seem like St. John's needs to almost be settled again, that we need some more people to go in and do that work. Uh, so what does a modern-day pioneer look like? Like, what kind of stuff are we doing if the need is so great? Looks like Dave. A pioneer, 21st century. <laughs> and everyone listening is like, what does Dave look like? <laughs> Uh, so guys, Dave, what do you look like? Well, I have glasses or contacts, depending on the day. There you go. So every um, everyone who wears glasses or contacts is a 21st century pioneer. I'm also the only one around the table without a beard. Okay, that was a logical fallacy. Just <laughs> saying. <laughs> but okay, uh, it is actually a good point. But what kind of person do we think we need for these kinds of plants? I mean, there are reasons that we do a lot of different things as Mile One Mission. There's a reason we do training. Mm-hmm. There's a reason we do uh, fellowship and we do the kind of discipleship and uh, intern to church planting candidate to church planter kind of situation. And you don't have to 
start at e any of those points and continue on. But there are things that we do think are necessary for this kind of ministry. Mm -hmm. Before before we talk about exactly what the character or what the person looks like, would you guys say it's safe to say that a, a pioneer for our day today is basically a church planter? Do you do you, is that a nice equivalent or would you say I mean that's that's one way to categorize it but you know I I, I definitely wouldn't say that it's limited to a church planter because we have interns in mile one who do do pioneer type work in the city right um, and so I would say yes but not 100 percent. not totally included. not totally yeah, yeah yeah people who work towards planting churches yeah okay yeah. so with that established what Steve was saying, what is that? What do those people look like? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that they have to have, and this is going to be a, a strange thing to say, they have to have a thick skin. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we, <laughs> we've, we've teased Matt about this, but, and I've been told stories as I came about a year after Matt was here, and uh, not to Newfoundland, I'm an actual Newfoundlander, unlike him. Um, <laughs> hey, is your th is your skin thick, Matt? <laughs> but uh, that's one thing that yep. that we Matt can easily tell you about is the days that he wanted to almost go home because of being of the sarcasm of how we treat each other. Matt, <laughs> tell us briefly about what it was like for you to get your thick skin. Um. <laughs> Do I have to go back to that point? <laughs> <laughs> so PTSD. Um, trauma. <laughs> no, no, listen. Uh, yeah, I mean, coming to uh, coming to back to Newfoundland, you know, ha after having lived away for uh, seven or eight years, you know, I kind of lost that thick skin. You know, I had a different culture uh, growing on me, so to speak. And, yeah, coming back, I, I realized that, you know, as, as hospitable and welcoming and warm and open as Newfoundlanders can be, um, sarcasm is a way that Newfoundlanders show that they actually love you, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like if you're not being made fun of, which, you know, it's kind of weird to say that if you're not being made fun of, it, it's like you're not ex accepted. It, it's such a weird uh, backwards concept, um, but but that's that's how it is, and so, you know, I, I I'm blessed to work with, you know, Newfoundlanders through and through, because yes, as Adam has said, and has reminded me many many times, I uh, I was actually born on on the mainland. Um, <laughs> all that said, yeah, I I am blessed to work with you know Newfoundlanders uh, through and through who, man, toughen up my skin, <laughs> right. Yeah, but there's also the but fact the of like tough skin in ministry, mm -hmm. and oh, sure. um, let's take um, because I'm, I'm looking more into the downtown area. Let's take downtown, multiple failed church plants. Mm. So you can imagine the type of baggage that comes when if if we try to set up another church plant down there. How long are you guys going to last for a year or two? Or what are you preaching? Or what makes you different? Like wh why why do we need a church here? Obviously, you know it hasn't worked, so we don't need one here. But it's not so much even the thick skin of going downtown. Like there is the thick skin of, of, of going downtown or going to Kilbride or Shea Heights or wherever wherever we're going to plant a church, because you do have to have thick skin, culturally. But then it's also you're going to have you know not so much thick skin but insane reliance upon the Lord, right? And so you know you you not only have to deal with the culture and the personalities and the people, but you know when you're in the thick of it and you feel like your world is crumbling 
around you, what are you leaning on? Are you leaning on the Lord? Are you going back to what his promises are in scripture? Are you going back to his calling upon your life? Do you feel you know, convicted that this is what the Lord wants? And so there's, mm-hmm. there's not only the thick skin, but there's the, the thick reliance on the Lord, right? Like, yeah. Well, I think that's where, I mean, having, or I guess even kind of the way of having thick skin as we're labeling the term, because I mean, ultimately when people are, you know, tearing you down or they're calling you names or whatever it be, or saying that you're not a good preacher, the whole point is that your identity isn't in those things. Right. So those, those things don't tear you down when people are taking them away or attacking them. Your identity is in Christ and nobody can attack that. That's just settled. So you, you won't, you won't be affected. Um, well, I shouldn't say you won't be affected. Obviously we're all affected, but it, it won't, have the same effect that same kind of emotional tear down that same kind of you know burden or whatever it is if you can really place your identity in christ um because they can nobody can ever take that away so it's not that your identity is in that you're a preacher or you're a pastor or a shepherd but that you are Mm -hmm. a son or daughter of the king and of course it's important to have that uh from a theological perspective too because Let's face it, because there aren't a lot of evangelical churches, there are a lot of competing worldview points of view going on in the area. Mm -hmm. And some of them will even call themselves Christian while, you know, discernibly speaking, not really being any type of Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, some would say that Jesus is, you know, kind of like Buddha or Gandhi. I think you've had these conversations with people even in Kilbride. and so there's a need to have a thick skin in the sense of actually know where you stand theologically so that when, you, you know, people are going to ask you questions about the, the, what are to them very strange ideas, but they are actually what Christians have believed for thousands of years. And yeah. it's, it's not only having thick skin against people who are, you know, non-believers or unbelievers, but it's having a thick skin towards people who you would call brothers and sisters, right? I mean, I'm just thinking about a conversation that, you know, Adam had with us earlier today and how, you know, as as we said earlier, we're, we're doing something that hasn't been done in a long, long time. We're planting churches and it's ruffling feathers. We can see it. We see people who, who we would, you know, apparently call brothers and sisters calling us out saying, why are you planting here? Why are you planting there? Surely that, that church that you want to plant downtown interferes with this church and that church and so, yeah, you, you really get bombarded from multiple fronts when you do gospel-centered work, right? And I think, too, like with how Mile One does kind of thicken up everybody's skin and, and that kind of atmosphere, I love, I think, Steve, it was you who said it to a group of people who um, came here on a vision trip. And I think they, they even asked you and Steve Bray, um, like, do you think you're ever being a little too hard on, on the guys? And I, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but your response was, We'd rather them bleed in training and not in the battlefield, um, yeah. which I just think is a great response. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're being trained here to be, well, hopefully successful. God blesses us. We don't want another failed church plant in downtown. We don't want there to not be an evangelical church in, in Kilbride. We don't want there to, in the future, to not be a church in uh, Monday Pond area or uh, another evangelical church in Cowan Heights or, you know, these places, you know, our city has evangelical churches, but they're, they're scarce. Yeah. And for our population, 
that that's that's an issue. And when we look at the the statistics of people even attending those churches, it gets even more worrisome because mm-hmm. as we've seen, it's less than one percent attending an evangelical evangelical church. And you know, the greater St. John's area is two hundred and fifty thousand people. Yep. <laughs> so you know, the more we talk about the bleaker it is and the more we're saying, okay, we need to actually do work here. There is an issue here, there's a problem here. And I think, you know, along with things thick skin, we also need to know, as we said, you know, it goes into that, like who you are in Christ, but also what scripture says. Yeah. And in some sense, there's also a need for a thin skin at the same time, an mm. ability to have a heart for the people who need to hear about Jesus Christ, uh, a heart for being able to empathize and sympathize with people who have uh, all sorts of different issues, the ability, the thin skin to actually care deeply about people who might not like us very much for a while. But no, you don't want to be hard on people all the time and just tell them, suck it up, you know, you know, and just the same old response. And it's it's true, you know, go to Christ, go to Christ. So sometimes people need actual help on the ground. Well, I mean, people need actual, like, counseling, actual, you know, support. Yeah, I mean, in essence, though, if you think about it, I mean, we're meant to model Christ. Mm -hmm. And what better example of somebody who was gentle and caring and loving yet also firm truthful and not afraid of a challenge (laughs) right so that's the kind of like that's who we that's our model that's who we and jesus didn't just you know solve everyone's problem either he didn't heal everyone that came to him and you know he didn't heal every problem i mean i've seen a post trying to you know make it seem like you know jesus was you know basically a almost communist socialist saying you know you know, like showing how contrasting it was to his character to say, no, these people need to work for themselves. They need to get up and, you know, do something, you know, basically almost like the I help those who help themselves idea. Um, but then I, I commented and basically, you know, Jesus didn't solve everyone's issues. I mean, so I, I quoted where Jesus basically, you guys are just here for the bread. You, yep. you don't want anything. You want free food. You want me to perform some miracles so you can get your stomachs full. You're not here for me. Well, I mean, from the political thing, and I mean, that's going to be something we should probably deal with at some other point. Mm. But from political, the political perspective, if we're going to be like Jesus in the world and be pioneers like Jesus, we're going to be different from everybody else, including all of the political systems. Jesus is not a socialist or a capitalist. He's, a, he's Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's for the kingdom. And we, we need people, too, who are going to be able to actually, you know, well serve but serve in a team dynamic mm-hmm. we don't want to send people and that this is not our model either but we're not sending people into a community or a neighborhood by themselves right so you can you know burn out and then have a nail another failed attempt at a church plant we need people who are able to work together hear each other's ideas come together as as a family of brothers and sisters in christ and Support each other with your ideas, with your prayers, with your you know, with, with your time and energy to move into these communities and actually do something there. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of interesting that we're, you know, kind of taking our cues from uh, what the Shantymen did because mm. they sent people into the into these communities, these camps uh, into the shanties yep. to try and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they would often go in small groups uh, and when they went, they actually had people in the background who had uh, set them up, supported them, and sent them in. I mean, 
that's the same thing we want to do with mile one. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit closer, a little bit uh, more focused, but we're just tweaking a model that, that, that's that been used before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's a model that works. I yeah. mean, uh, I can't imagine starting a church and not having, you know, just the only person I can go to is like my wife, who you don't always want to burden with your issues. Right. Right? If I have a team around me, we can shoulder those things together, bring them to the Lord together, and support, support each other through those things rather than just having to face everything by yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, even Jesus, I think in Mark 6, when he first sends out disciples to go cast out demons and stuff like that, sends them in pairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even then, they came back and then had a time with Jesus to discuss and to figure this stuff out and to talk about what God had done through them. Yep. Yeah, the Shantymen did some great work in the country, but, you know, we can't just sit by and expect it to, you know, solve, solve itself when people are growing more secular, when, you know, cities just grow more secular by nature. And there are cities here in our city, we, we need more pioneers again. We yep. need people to come here again and to s preach the gospel, to settle down with roots in the community because, one, we're very communal people. Uh, but whether there's one church in the community or not, you know, there's almost 12,000 people in Kilbride. Mm. If there were three churches there of 100 people, you got 300 people over 12,000. Yep. <laughs> if yep. there were five churches downtown of 100 people, you got 500 people out of 7,000. Yeah. Regardless, is, the fact is, is that we need to be pioneers today. It doesn't necessarily mean I don't think that we have to do innovative things, you know, uh, you know, Giving candy out of the trunk of your car is not a highly innovative thing. There are churches that do it, mm. groups that do it probably far better on a grander scale than we do, but it's something new for Kilbride. And they remember it. And they remembered it. Mm. Well, guys, we're coming up on that uh, half hour mark. So thank you for, for your time. Thank you for the work that you do. Check out our podcasts like Rugged Theology on Spotify and on iTunes. And we are actually developing a whole bunch of present live streams that are going out uh, every week. So just check us out, myonemission.ca. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.